Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. This episode is proudly sponsored by Vivino, the world's largest online wine marketplace. The Vivino app makes it easy to choose wine. Enjoy expert team support, door-to-door delivery, and honest wine reviews to help you choose the perfect wine for every occasion. Vivino, download the app on Apple or Android and discover an easier way to choose wine. Welcome to another episode of Wine, Food, and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we are in Trentino Alto Adige, also known as Trentino Sud Tirol, and more precisely in the Unterland, the Bassa Atesina, the most southerly part of South Tyrol, to meet our guest Dietrich Sierland of the Ansitz Tenuta Seo in Salorn or Salorno in this trilingual region. Good morning, Dietrich. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Mark. Happy to be here with you. I'm pretty fine. We are actually harvesting today, so it's a great opportunity to skip some hard work and do some nice work. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'm, we're really delighted you can be here. I know it's the busiest moment of the year, but also the most exciting moment of the year. Uh, it must be hard and, and, and really difficult, but also a very happy time. Yeah, exactly. It's really satisfying after a whole year of hard and intensive work. You see the result of this work and you get all the fruit, all the grapes you get in the cellar, you get the new aromas, the exciting colors in the cellar from the vineyard. So it's really, really exciting. Yeah, I bet. Uh, Dietrich, can you share with us the story of Ansitz Tenutaseo, how how your winery came about? And uh, I know you have a deep passion for wine. Has this always been what you knew you were going to do? Yeah, exactly. So just a short recap of the history. So my grandfather already started with winemaking in the 1950s. And then my father came into the wine business as well and yeah so he started with his own winery and 2016 it was my turn to take over the winery i started completely from the beginning so i made the brand or the seller or the name of the winery just to have completely my own business there so i'm responsible for almost everything. My father is in the background helping me uh, what he wants to do or what he can to do. Then I have my colleague, Michael, who is helping me in the administration and in the marketing. And in the winery, in the vineyard, in the cellar, I can do whatever I want. So I can express myself. Well, that sounds a wonderful, uh, wonderful partnership you and Michael having your different activities, but you being able to um, oversee work in the vineyard and in the cellar. Dietrich, we are in the Unterland, the Alta Tezina. Can you give our listeners something of a picture 
of, of, of your wine country, uh, the beauty of it, the aspect, the soils, and why it's such a great place to be growing grapes. Is this where you're from? Is, have you always lived in this area? Yeah, so I grew up in Südtirol, Alto Algev, all my life. I had my few experiences outside of, of my region. So I did some internship in Australia, New Zealand, and even here in some wineries, in some bigger wineries, just to get my horizon bigger and see new aspects of winemaking. I, I had a lot of passion all, always from the beginning. Since I was a little boy, I grew up in the wine business. I was outside with my dad in the vineyard, in the cellar. So I have uh, like wine in my blood. Yeah, here in Saloon, in the Unterland, in the so-called Basatesina, we have a really particular place. Like we have the Saluna Klause. It's a passage where the mountains are coming together and we have a really tiny like uh, path through through the valley because usually the Unterland is really wide open you can see really wide and far from my place but the place uh, Saloon is you know where the mountains come together and the valley gets closer that's a so-called it's kind of a door like a gate from the German-speaking part to the Italian-speaking part. Okay, the Bassa Artesina. Yeah. And so this is the Adige, the Etch, the Adige descending down from the mountains. And in this narrow valley, uh, you're surrounded by mountains. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. So, I mean, you, you have here almost everything from, from the low-situated vineyards and apple fields you can go up to the mountains and from up there you have a beautiful overview over all the landscape and it's really really enjoyable it sounds absolutely stunning and i guess this whole valley then would have been carved out by the glaciers and and, it, and resulting in a in a mix of moraine soils and stone and what what is the main feature of of the terroir uh, that makes it so good for growing grapes yeah just imagine like Almost 200 years ago, there was the river, the Edge, and it was not a straight river going down the valley. It was like a curvy one. It went from other side, from one side to the valley to the other side. And a few times a year, there were the, the flu, and it was like everywhere was water. And then there came the, from the Count Care monarchy. The the princess or the Kaiser, the chief of the Kantka, <laughs> he decided to to stop this madness and she began to make the edge, the river, straight down to the valley. So there were no more diseases, no more plagues in the valley. And the soil from the edge river went uh, actually on our on our future fields. So we planted all our fruits, grapes, and uh, apple trees on this uh, very fertility, nutritious soil. I see. So from the flooding of the river, um, you've got this rich fluvial soil that's perfect for growing, growing fruit of all sorts. Exactly correct. Uh, now, you dedicate yourself to working both in the vineyard and, and you're the winemaker. They're two very different activities. Which aspect of your work do you enjoy the most? Yeah, that's a tricky question. 
But let's say it's nice to work during the year outside in the vineyard. But when it's so when it's coming to harvest season, then it's the best part of the year. Like you get all the results of the hard dedicating work outside in the vineyard and you you can make something. Like in the vineyard outside, you are just cultivating, you are watching that everything goes right and the fruits are growing well. But in the cellar, you can express yourself, you can do some experiments, you can do something new, which is not such a hard process like outside in the vineyard. In the vineyard, you have a, a fixed uh, schema where you can work in, and in the cellar, you are completely free by yourself. Sure, yeah. And um, you mentioned that you went um, abroad to get different uh, experiences in winemaking, different attitudes to to and approaches to winemaking. New Zealand and where else did you say you went? In Australia. In Australia. And a few other wineries here around. What did you learn from those so-called New World wineries that you brought back to a very ancient and traditional wine land? Yeah, it just opened my eyes for a completely other style of winemaking. So, for example, in New Zealand, I was in a winery who produced so much wine like my whole region here. It, it was insane, like 150 laborers, workers in the winery, in the cellar, and people from all over the world coming together and... We had a really, really good time together, but also in the aspect of winemaking was really interesting how they produce the wine, how they keep up the high quality of wine. Even they are producing tons and tons of wine. Wow, that's fascinating. So you grow five great varieties, Rulander, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, Merlot, Cabernet and Lagrine. Can you tell us a little bit about what qualities your terroir gives to these varietals? Maybe maybe concentrate on Rulander and Lagrange. Yeah, like Rulander, you said it also correctly, it's called a Pinot Grigio, but we called it on purpose Rulander because that's the typical name for the region here. And it's mostly associated also with quality wines, while other side, other, on the other hand, Pinot Grigio, it's can be like a burnt name in the wine industry. Some people may be connected with just uh, quantity wine and not so high quality wine. Our Rulander, it's in the, in the Bunkel. So it's the name of the field. It's called Bunkel. It's a 20 years old uh, Guyot system. So growing on the Guyot system, Rulander. And it's the perfect age for making a great quality wine. So the harvest season for the Rulander starts uh, in the beginning of September. Depends on the year, but around about beginning of September. And it's uh, really, really good for the microclima we have in this area. So we can keep going with the maturity on the in the vineyard and to pick the fruits at uh, the latest possible period. You're getting a more riper, more structured style than, as you say, the, the, the lighter Pinot Grigios that perhaps are, are flooding the market um, and uh, affecting the name of Pinot Grigio. That's correct. And so we we are really glad to have the really ripe Rulander in the winery 
where we have a really, it's a really fruity, fresh acid with a low acid rule ender. And it's also really nice uh, floral bouquet and uh, really nice fruit like honey melon, but also kind of um, typical local fruits like beer or apple. And the Lagrine? Yeah, the Lagrine, it's a really special wine. Like it's uh, almost exclusively for Südtirol. It's a so-called autochtone variety. And for my place in Saloon, it's not really typical. So the typical um, growing places are up to Bozen, the Magdalena area. But uh, Lagrein was always cultivated here in this area. So my father decided to plant Lagrein too and to give our best. And I think we did really, really well with a Lagrein here. So it's not like the heavy... Um, high alcoholic Lagrein from the other regions here in the area. So it's uh, it's uh, if you know Lagrein, you you see always this dark ruben red color, and our Lagrein is uh, like not so dark, not so uh, heavy in the color. It's a middle sherry red also from the tannins they are softly gentle and not so uh, dry on the on the tongue so it's a really drinkable um fresh uh, red lagrine oh that sounds a beautiful style i love that lighter style of red still that deep uh, because lagrine always has a, a a lot of color doesn't it even if this yours is 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 lighter you should watch my hands. We just harvested uh, yesterday the Lagrine. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, they get uh, dark straight away. That's, that's insane. And then you're also growing some so-called international varieties, but these are grapes that have been grown in Sud-Tirol for a very long time as well. Yeah, yeah. The Chardonnay Merlot and Cabernet. Yeah, j just imagine Saloum is the fifth biggest community in South Tyrol producing grapes. And the biggest one producing white grapes. So just imagine we have here a lot of Chardonnay, white Burgunder, and uh, Pinot Grigio. And we have uh, also the Chardonnay in our winery. And we are, there we are doing two types of Chardonnay. One classic, so it's um, measured in the classic stainless steel tank. And the other one, we have a selection, which is um, harvested almost 10 or 2 10 days or two weeks later than the classical Chardonnay. And there we have a, a third part we have in the new oak barrel. And the other part stays in the stainless steel tank for almost 10 months. Right. And then you do the assembly. Exactly. So that's more the international Chardonnay, like you can compare with maybe California and the US. Now, let's turn to, to tasting wine. And you have a particularly welcoming wine cellar attached to the winery, the Dürer Schenk Vinotec, or Enoteca, named after when the painter Elbrecht Dürer passed through Saloon. Tell us about this. Yeah, exactly. That's a nice story. So many tourists, they came here to this place and they're asking about the name. How does it come? A famous artist from the Renaissance in Germany, renaming a Vinotec after him. So many doesn't know that um, in the mid, or a little recap in history, uh, Albrecht Dürer was went in the midst of the 16th century from Nuremberg down to Venice. 
And on his way down to Venice, he stopped in Salur and he was really fascinated by the landscape here. And so many pictures from him came, many pictures from him are showing the area here. So it's uh, really famous. And so we decided to, to name the winery or the, the Vinothek after him. And we have some pictures, not originally from him, but some friends of mine are painters. So they draw a nice uh, portrait from him and also the route he did in, in Südtirol. And it's a, it's a nice uh, point of view while having a good uh, sip of wine. It sounds perfect, actually. It sounds a, a very nice way to, to enjoy your wines as they're meant to be enjoyed with food, with friends. Yeah, exactly. It's a really nice place. It's a little bit hidden. It's in the middle of the village. So you have to be clever and smart to find it. But the most beautiful places are always hidden a little bit. And when you when you come down the stairs, you see a nice garden with a lot of people having a chat, having a full glass of wine, and also the typical uh, marent. You know, the we have the our own speck and cheese and bread and you, you actually produce a speck. Yeah, yeah, we do some speck. Oh, fabulous! So not in the village, uh, not down in the center. We have a friend of us who is a farmer up in the mountains. And there we are growing our our pork. And then when it's time, we are going to harvest the pork. <laughs> okay. Well, speck is very much a very typical flavor of Sudtirol. Always smoked, always a smoked cured. What part of the pig does the speck come from? It's coming from the back. But don't ask me too much because that's the passion for my dad now. Oh, okay. Okay. So when he retired from the winery, he had uh, to do something else. So he started making some spec. That's a very nice partnership if he's looking after that side of things and those foods can be enjoyed in your wine tavern. And you also have some local cheeses. Yeah, exactly. So we have everything what your heart needs. <laughs> Good. Now, um, I think for visitors, for listeners, to Sutirol. It's such an exciting and different place for, for many of us to come to because of you know this uh, profound Austrian influence with Austria, uh, with the region being part of Austria for hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's, of course, had a profound influence on the cuisine of the region. Uh, it, would you say there are any foods particular to the Unterland that you can describe? And what would you say would be the most typical Sudtirolese meal that you would eat and, you know, what wines of yours would you pair with this? Yeah, that if you hear Sudtirol Alto Age and you think about food, the, there's uh, straight in your mind the knödel with goulash. Knödel with goulash. That, those, are, those are the dumplings. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's a English term for that cuisine, but... I think we would probably say dumpling. I love, I love the knödel. And various types of knödel, correct? Yeah, exactly. We have the speck knödel, then spinach knödel, cheese knödel. So also for the dessert, we have the prune knödel. Okay, so a sweet dumpling with made with plums. Yeah. So 
Yeah, exactly. So we have almost everything. And now in autumn, the maybe most uh, special food is the... Um, oh, what's that? So-called Dörkelen. Mm-hmm. Dörkelen, it's a typical food you get in different chunks. So that are not restaurants. Those are just open restaurants for a few months in the year. It's mostly run by by families. And they are doing their own wine, their own food, and it's really, really good. And <laughs> there you can eat um, from the Schlutzkrapfen in the beginning. Then you get a huge plate of meat, like sausages, the blood sausages. You get, uh, I don't know if your listeners likes uh, giblets or, you know, inots. Yeah. We like everything on Italian Wine Podcast. <laughs> okay, so I'm curious if if someone going to Turkland and is ordering some giblets. <laughs> Actually, the Buschenschank, that's a very interesting tradition. Again, something that comes from the Austrian heritage. It is, uh, it's true still that the branch of fur is put over to say when the Buschenschank are open. It's only permitted for certain months of the year. Is that right? Exactly. So that's a kind of a law in the Italian system because they don't get the um, license for a restaurant, but they can get the license for the Buschenschank and then they are not allowed to open the whole year. So just, I'm not sure now, but I think like six or seven months per year, they are allowed to serve uh, drinks and food. Right. And it has to be their own produced wines and and local foods from either they produce or around them. Exactly. Exactly. You already had once out, Turkelin. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, that's just the sort of place I think is really lovely when one is finds yourself in an area and it's a time when these places are open that I would be making a beeline to. And I'm sure our listeners would too. So you're highly experienced. Well, not as much as I'd like to be. I would love to come back because uh, it, it is such a beautiful area. And I'd like to come to uh, sample your wines too and, and meet in person. You are more than welcome. It'll be a pleasure. Now, finally, for our listeners, if they find themselves in your area, can you recommend a local restaurant that serves very typical cuisine and maybe perhaps one also that's doing things a little more creatively? Let's say we have a high standard of uh, restaurants here. And it's, it's hard to pick one restaurant where you should have to go but um, we have a, a nice little restaurant of high quality food in the Tantina, so the village uh, next to us. It's called uh, Vecchia Sorni. It's a good client of us, and he is producing really typical Trentino Südtirol food. And of course, he serves good wine. And it's a little bit above the Piana Rotaliana, so the, the valley of the Trentino. And you have a really nice overview. You see the Brenta Mountains. I would recommend to go there. Oh, wonderful. That sounds a beautiful spot. Well, Dietrich, thank you so much for taking some time away from your harvest. I know you'll be going straight from the microphone to... On the tractor. To, onto the tractor. I have to pick up the boxes of grapes. Good. Well, it's been a real pleasure learning the story of Ansitz Tenuta Seo, and I really enjoyed talking to you. I look forward to meeting, and I particularly want to visit your Durashanka Vinotech to try your wines over a plate of the speck that your father's made. 
So best of luck for the 2021 harvest, and I hope to meet soon. Thank you very much, and good day, everyone. Bye-bye for now. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food, and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.